Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. G'day Gateway, it's great to have you here at our Vision Sunday services across all of our campuses. Today's an exciting day because together we get to reflect on God's incredible goodness, faithfulness and generosity to our church over the past 93 years. And to look ahead and to pray boldly for what he has in store for us in the next season. My heart is overflowing with thanks for God's faithfulness to his church. In seven years' time, in 2028, Gateway Baptist Church will actually turn 100 years old. That's really old. And as we look back in our history, we see time after time how God has paved the way for people to come to know Him and to be welcomed into His church. I want to take you back to 1928 for a moment, when a young pastor at Greenslopes Baptist Church, Reverend Edward Keith, was teaching kids about Jesus at Holland Park State School. And one day he's riding his bike back down Logan Road and he sees an old empty hall for sale and he convinced the church to buy it to start a Sunday school in the local area so more kids could hear the good news about Jesus. On the first Sunday, nine kids came along. But within a few weeks, 60 kids were coming every week. That Sunday school became an outstation or a campus of Greenslopes Baptist for 18 years. And then in 1946, just after the end of World War II, it became Holland Park Baptist Church, which continued to grow and become Gateway Baptist, as we know it today. Our church has very humble beginnings, and it all started with one man and his heart to share Jesus with the people around him. A lot has changed in the past 93 years, but our heart to reach people in our community, our nation, and around the world with the life-changing message of Jesus will never change. Fast forward to today, and here I am at Gateway Logan, one of our five campuses across Brisbane, and God's hand of blessing has been on our church. Every weekend, we're welcoming more than a 1,000 kids, youth and young adults to our campuses to hear the good news of Jesus. More than 3,000 people are meeting in 225 life groups, doing life together, caring for each other, and encouraging one another as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And through Gateway Online, the gospel is reaching more people in more places than ever before. As we look towards turning 100 years old, we see a generation that needs to hear and to see the good news of Jesus in our community, in our nation and right around the world. And I believe God is calling our church to step boldly into a new season of fulfilling Jesus' great commission. And our heart for this is reflected in our updated mission statement leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. This mission impacts every one of us, wherever we are on the journey of following Jesus. He's calling us all to live our lives fully devoted to Him and to share the life-changing message of Jesus with the people that we live, work and laugh with. And as we look to the future, we've also revisited our church values and we believe that these five values still hold true to the heart of our church today and into the future. Firstly, we hunger for the presence of God. We're a church that seeks the life-giving presence of God in prayer and in worship. We teach the Bible for every day. We want to help everyone of every age understand timeless biblical truth in a constantly changing world. And we live with abundant generosity. And I'm so encouraged by the way that we give our time, our talent and our treasure to people in need around us and all around the world. We raise tomorrow's leaders and we'll continue to raise generations of Christ-centred leaders to make disciples of all nations. And we value the ones. We believe that everyone, everywhere, is valuable to God and needs to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. 
These values are nothing new to us. For years, they've been our heart language and our guiding principles. And as we step into this exciting next season as a church, they will continue to be our unmoving stakes in the ground as we grow wider in our influence for the gospel. As I've been praying about our next season as a church, God has put a prayer on my heart from Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. And the prophet was walking through a very difficult season in Israel's history. He'd heard of God's great deeds in the past, and he was adamant that God could do it again in his day. And his plea for mercy is not merely a desperate prayer for help, but is confidently grounded in the covenantal commitment of God to Israel. And in the midst of national hardship and surrounded by hard hearts, Habakkuk is steadfast in his devotion and he perseveres in prayer for a powerful move of God in his time. The prayer that he writes is called a shiganoth, which kind of sounds like a casserole, but it's actually a prayer of lament and intercession. He laments the current state of affairs in his nation, but he believes for a better day through divine intervention. And I don't believe God's wanting to repeat his great deeds in our nation in exactly the same way as we've seen him do in the past. But I do believe that his love for his church in our nation is unchanging. And his power to transform communities is our certain hope today and for the future. Now God has spoken into the heart of our church about being a light to our city, our nation, and nations of the world. And when we look back, we can see that promise that God has given us has become reality. And as we look to the future, we believe that God's promises for this next season in no way diminish in a culture that has seemingly drifted away from Him. But in this dark time in global history we find ourselves in, there's never been a more opportune time to shine the light and the love of Jesus. And each of us has a part to play in that. We have the joy of playing our role in the unfolding of God's eternal kingdom. In 2028, when Gateway Baptist Church turns 100, we'll be one church family in many places, transforming communities with the love and power of Jesus. We believe in the coming season, God is calling us to grow to 10 campuses. And I believe we're gonna hear 10,000 stories of transformation. That's 10,000 ways that Jesus breaks into people's lives. I'm looking forward to the way that he does that through our generations ministries, care ministries, Sunday services, Alpha, life groups, and much, much more. The good news is that it all happens when we just keep on noticing the ones that God brings into our lives. You see, we can't change the world for everyone, but as we reach out with God's loving kindness, we can change the world for someone. God, you have done great deeds in our past. God, would you repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. This is the prayer that God's been writing on my heart, and I believe that God is writing on the heart of our church. Gateway, I'm so excited for this next season in our history, and I'm really grateful that as we look to turn 100, you'll be an essential part of writing our next chapter. God bless you all, church. Now, this is a significant moment in our history as a church. You know, in 1928, Reverend Edwin Keith rode his bike down Logan Road and he opened the doors on a little hall for young people to hear the good news about Jesus. And it was actually reported in the Sunday Mail on December the 16th, 1928. This is an article, just uh, might come up on the screen. I just want to highlight just a, a couple of words uh, from the Sunday Mail. It says, Great enthusiasm marked the opening of the new Baptist church at Holland Park on Saturday afternoon. The little 30 feet by 18 foot building, capable of seating more than 100 persons, being filled to overflowing. Introduced by Reverend Edwin Keith, who will have charge of the new church, Reverend A.G. Weller, listen 
listen to this. OBE, President of the Baptist Union of Queensland. Now, I'm not sure how long you have to be the President of the Baptist Union of Queensland before you are awarded an order of the British Empire. But I actually think Sir Jason has a nice ring to it. <laughs> Who performed the opening ceremony, congratulated the congregation on the excellent site chosen for the building and stated that he felt sure that this was to be the seedling from which would spring a much larger, and get this, more pretentious church. I'm pretty confident he didn't get an OBE for his contribution to English literature. Yeah, I, I, I scoured the internet thinking there must have been a different definition for the word pretentious in 1928. No, it comes from an old French word, which has always meant pretending to be something bigger than what you really are. So we're scrubbing that out in history. We, we never want to be pretentious. We want to stay humble, but God has been so faithful. He's been so kind. And this seed that was planted in 1928 has grown to, to something much larger. That God has poured out blessing on us to be a blessing in this city and places all over the world. I'm so grateful you know, for, for his generosity and his kindness to us. It goes on to say, the gathering after the doors had been ceremoniously thrown wide open. You know, from the very first day of this church, it was significant that the doors were thrown wide open and everyone was welcome to come in and to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Everyone who walks through those doors, everyone who comes through all of our doors will always be welcome. It's true on day one, and it's still true 93 years later. It says, I moved into the church where a service was conducted by Mr. Weller, who took as the subject of his address, shining and serving. I tell you, whenever there's good alliteration in a sermon, it is straight from heaven. Mr. Keith pointed out that the building had been erected largely by volunteer labour recruited from local Baptist churches in the area. They worked so hard that it was only a few months ago they decided to build a church at Holland Park, but the progress had been made by voluntary, voluntary workers, many of whom had made great sacrifices to assist in the work. Faithful men and women have gone before us and have served in their generation to bless their generation and the generations to come. Many have great, made great sacrifices to actually be a blessing to us today. Uh, the Yuletide Street, the block in Yuletide Street off Logan Road was purchased for the rather large sum of £250. I'm grateful that people did make great sacrifices back then to be a blessing to us. I'm glad that generosity has always been a part of uh, who God's called us to be at a, as a church. Then right at the end, it says Reverend B. Hewison, Mr. A.E. Blackmore, and others also delivered short addresses, just like today. <laughs> Message is always short. You know, a lot has changed in 93 years. We got new vehicles, no pastors ride their bike down Logan Road to church anymore. When Tim came back from New York, he decided that he and Lauren were going to be a one-car family. He rode his bike to church for two months. I haven't seen it for the next three years. Another car quickly arrived. We got new vehicles. We got a new vision. We, we got new buildings, we got a new look, we got new t-shirts, even I've got a new shirt for this new season. And some of you are more excited than that, than Jesus coming back from the dead, but uh, I'm glad you like it. A lot has changed, but, but some things remain the same. 
Our doors are always wide open to welcome people in and we've opened new doors in the last season. We've opened new doors here at Mackenzie. We've opened new doors at Ormo to welcome people in in that community. We've opened doors in Redlands. We've opened doors in Logan. We've opened doors in the city. We've opened doors on care centres to actually meet the needs of our community. We've opened uh, doors in Phnom Penh, Cambodia for girls rescued from trafficking to actually find hope and healing in Jesus through the ministry of Bloom. And in the last little while, we've opened doors all over the world through Gateway Online. This is just a little heat map of, uh, you can't see the whole world, but you'll sort of see it in bits of places where people have joined us online, become part of our community. More people in more places than ever before. And if you're joining us online today, it's so great to have you with us as part of our Gateway community. Why don't you give them a big welcome? And Jesus is still building his church as faithful people serve his purposes and make great sacrifices. It's so great to see Glenn wander in this morning, been a member here for over 60 years. Jan Haylock was at our eight o'clock service. Once again, a member for over 60 years, made great sacrifices, served in their generation and for many generations and still blessing this generation today. Why don't you put your hands together for the legends of the faith in this place. I want to encourage you as you grab one of these booklets on the way out, one of our Towards 100 booklets, use it as a prayer guide for how God is calling you to serve in this season, how God is calling you to actually be a blessing in this generation and for the generations to come. So make sure you grab one of these on the way out. And another thing that hasn't changed is that the message today, 93 years later, will be about shining and serving. And it will be short because I want to do some anointing at the end. I want all of us to have an encounter with God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit as we step in to a new season that God has for us. You know, I don't think there's ever been a more important time to shine a light on the love of God in our community. When Jesus was asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, I can't give you one. He says, but I'll give you two. And one does come first, one is greater than the other, but, but, but the other, it actually flows out of it. The other cannot be separated from it. He says, I'll give you two. He says, the first is this, love the Lord your God. Matthew chapter 22, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. And the other flows from it. The other is just like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Everything in the law and prophets hangs off these two commandments. He says, love God with all of your heart, mind. This is unchanging. It hasn't changed in 93 years. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. First and foremost, we are to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it's as we love God and as we know His love that we're actually able to love others in the same way He loves us. Jesus' best mate, John, unpacks it for the church. A little while later, he says this, First John Chapter four, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Oh, slow down. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. What he's saying is, you can't love God and not love people. And equally, you can't love people the way that God loves us if you don't know the love of God. You see, when you, you love someone with all of your heart, the way you express that love may change in different seasons, but the desire to be close to the one you love never changes, it just gets stronger. You know, when I was 13, I threw rocks at Susan from a distance because I loved her. 
and she was at a distance from me and it's the only way as a 13-year-old boy I could think to get her attention and to get her to come closer. If you're a parent of a teenage girl and you've got a boy that's really annoying her, be careful. He might be the father of your grandchildren one day. I threw rocks at her at 13 because I loved her. At 15, she was now my girlfriend, and I wrote her love letters, soppy ones. You know, she wrote me a lot more than I wrote her, but you see, I could only see her Friday night at youth group, Sunday night at church, and I was only allowed to use our home and business landline one night a week to ring her. It wasn't enough. I wanted to be closer to her, so I wrote her love letters. When I was 20, I, put, I got down on one knee and I put a ring on her finger because there were too many other boys sniffing around and I didn't want them to come close. I wanted to be the only one to come close and so I had to put a ring on her finger and lock her down forever. You know, now she's 50 and I'm 49. I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but she's older than me. <laughs> Some things never change. We're grandparents. And Susan's actually walked through the toughest six months of her life in the last six months. The time dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. And she's my bride. The difficulties that she walked through didn't make me want to live at a distance from her. My love grew stronger. I wanted to draw her closer because she's my bride. My love for her will never change. Now, you've got to understand as we look back through history that there was a time when God, because of his love for his people, threw rocks from a distance, when his people were oppressed in Egypt, God, God threw rocks to get their attention and to get them to turn to him. And he wrote love letters. This is essentially what this is. It's a love letter to the people. Say, I want you to come close. And then for the people of Israel, he says, I'm actually going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to put a ring on your finger. He says, I, I am going to be your God and you will be my people and you'll have no other gods but me. I want you to come close. And then in the new covenant, God did not stay at a distance. John 1.14 says, God himself put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He came and dwelt with us and through his death on a cross, he spilt his blood to actually take away the thing, that our sins that once kept us at a distance from God and in defeating sin and death and rising from the death, he invited us in to a new life because he never wants us to live at a distance with him ever again and even as we walk through difficult times as a church even when we get a bit wobbly in our faith and we walk through difficult times his heart for his church never changes he looks at us and he says you are my bride I love you I always will he's inviting us to come close don't let your love grow cold in this season one of the things I believe God is doing through this COVID season is reminding us that our, our ministry for the Lord flows out of our ministry to the Lord. That's why he says the greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, but the other one flows out of it. Love your neighbour as yourself. I believe he's birthing in us a new joy in praise, a new surrender in worship, a new dependency and intimacy in prayer. You know, we're about to walk into as a church in two weeks' time, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I actually believe this season 
It could be the, the most significant you know, season in your spiritual life. It could be the season you know, of breakthrough as you come before God and say, I, I, I'm broken and empty, I need you. I, I want less of me and, and more of you. It's time to pray a shiganoth, a little like Habakkuk, and say, God, I've heard of your fame. I've heard of your good deeds. Would you repeat them in our day? In our time, make them known. You see, the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second flows from it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we see in the ministry of Jesus that Jesus sees the need and he serves the need. And for us to love our neighbours, for us to shine a light on the love of God in our community is to see the need and to serve the need. To welcome, to care, to feed, to share, to teach. You know, there's a neighbour in your seat. You got a neighbour in your seat today. You know, we're called to love one another the same way Jesus loves us, and that's how people will know that we're his followers. Nothing else. It's the only thing he said. That's how people will know that you're my followers, that you love one another. See the need and serve the need. When you're here on a Sunday, reach out to the people around you. Look for people to pray. Actually, look for people to pray for, to, to encourage, to spur on the love and good deeds, to care for in their time of need. You've got a neighbour in your seat. You've got a neighbour in your street. You've heard me say this a lot in the last 12 months. We're living in a pandemic of loneliness. There are more lonely people out there than ever before. Look out for people in your street. Look out for, for, for the need. See the need and serve the need. Don't just kind of pray casseroles like Shiganos. Actually, let's be the church of casserole cookers who actually take you know, a casserole to the people across the street and say, hey, how are you doing? You've got a neighbour in your seat, street, seat. you've got a neighbour in your street, and we've got neighbours in need all around us. You know, when Jesus was asked, well, tell me, who is my neighbour? He actually tells the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. And he tells this story about a man who is stripped of his clothes, he's beaten up, he's, he's been robbed, and he's left half dead on the side of the street. And along comes a priest now, a priest, they would have thought of someone really close to God in the temple, in the presence of God. But the priest, when he sees the need, he doesn't move towards the need. He keeps a distance from the need and passes by on the other side of the road. And then a Levite who would also help in the temple, again, thought to be someone who would be close to God. When he, when he walks past, he, he sees the need but he chooses to keep at a distance and not serve the need. And then Jesus says, you want to know who your neighbour is? Let me tell you about a good Samaritan. And nobody had ever thought that a Samaritan could be good. They actually had a checkered religious history. They didn't think they were close to God. They actually thought they were ostracised from God. But, but he's saying, this is what it looks like to love your neighbour. The Samaritan actually saw the need... And he got close to the need. And he served the need. You see, the closer you get to God, this is the point Jesus is making. The closer you get to God, the sign that you're closer to God, the sign that you're walking in intimacy with God, that the closer you get to God, the closer you get to people in need in our community. You see the need, you move towards the need, and you serve the need. I had my own Good Samaritan moment just uh, a little while ago. I was running along the beach and I, uh, I saw a guy running towards me. He looked a little bit worried and I saw that he'd pulled the board for his kite surfer up onto the beach. But as I turned around, I looked at him coming towards me a bit worried and uh, I turned around and I saw that his kite 
was actually 800 metres down the beach. It had all been uh, uh, ripped, ripped apart, and he's running down to try and rescue his kite. And as he's running towards me, it looks like he's wearing a skirt and no top. I think, this guy looks weird. And then he runs past me, and I realise that when he lost his kite, he also lost his shorts. And he's got his wetsuit shirt tied around his waist, covering some parts, but not all parts. And as he ran past, you know, I I could see his whiteness in all his glory. And and trust me, I saw the need. (laughs) Pants. Trust me, I wanted to keep a distance from the need. But this message was already going in my head. (laughs) And so I ran to the place I was staying. I found a pair of shorts and I ran back down the beach as fast as I could. And I said, mate, I think you have a need. Do you need these? And he wanted to hug me. (laughs) And I said, no, 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 hugs needed. Let's keep a distance. But he was very, very grateful. Now, I'm not saying that every day we come across people on the side of the road, like this story in the Good Samaritan, that are stripped of their clothes, that, are, that have been beaten. Or, and it's the first time I've ever come across someone on the beach with no pants. But, but the point is this. Followers of Jesus, when we see the need, we don't keep a distance, but we move towards the need and we serve the need. It's why I'm really excited about our new neighbours ministry. As you walked in the doors, you might have seen, you know, the, the sort of cardboard bus that's there at the moment. Eventually, we've actually been given a grant to buy a mobile van which will take the good news of Jesus out of these doors to the place where the need is. We're going to go close to the need. We're going to not just see the need, but we're going to move towards the need and serve the need. You know, there are tens of thousands of people every year seeking refuge and asylum in Australia. There are, there are people coming as, as migrants and will start to come again in the year that have significant needs. And we're not just going to ask them to come through our doors to actually find Jesus, but we're going to go with a van and with teams of people to the need. We're going to move into the neighbourhood. We're going to come close and let them know that there is a God in heaven who loves them. They are welcome in this nation. And we want to do everything we can as a church to serve their very needs. Now, I'm hoping most people will be wearing pants, but many people will actually be finding it difficult to clothe their kids, send their kids to school, at times put food on the table. We want to do everything we can to meet those needs. It's never been a better time to shine a light on the love of God in our community and to serve the purposes of God in our generation, but to also bless the next generation. You see, the great commandment, love God and love your neighbour, is the unchanging heart of God. The great commission is the unchanging mission of God. Matthew chapter 28, you know, Jesus uh, says this, start in verse 16, it says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And listen to this encouragement. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Sometimes we start reading the Great Commission at verse 18. I think it's important to read verse 17 as well. These guys who have spent the last three years walking around with Jesus, the perfect son of God, he's told them that he will die and rise from the dead. When it actually happens, some of them worshipped him, but some of them doubted. They're ordinary people. They're not some, you know, super, you know, spiritual people so far removed from us that we can't relate to them. They're ordinary people with an extraordinary call on their life. And Jesus has done many miracles and blessed many people in three years, but he hasn't gone very far. He's only walked in a hundred kilometre radius. And he says to these 11 ordinary blokes that are left behind, he says, 
You, the rest of the world's yours. You're the plan. I have no other plan to, to actually go into all the world and to make disciples, to make more followers of mine, to do what I've been doing with you. I've got no other plan. You're the plan. But I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. And he was. He filled them with his Holy Spirit. And they went and they started being his witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the reason that the gospel made it to us is because those 11 people on the side of the hill actually believed that Jesus had all power and all authority. And, and they began to share the gospel and they began to plant churches in their generation to bless generations to come. Our mission statement I believe is a very simple way of taking the, the great commission that's always been true for the church and putting it into really simple language for us as a church in our nation today, leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Leading people, this is for all of us, we all get a part to play in this, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We're all on that journey ourselves and we all get the privilege of, of seeing others, you know, come to know Jesus. You know, I've had the, the privilege of being the senior pastor here for the last 14 years and I've got to travel the world and, and see the way that ordinary people from our church are making disciples of all nations. You know, over Christmas, we blessed Rob and Liz Lumkus's ministry and helped them to take the next step of uh, reaching out with the good news of Jesus in Myanmar. You know, Rob was a young guy just sitting in our pews here. He's a refrigeration mechanic. Heard the call of God to take the gospel to other nations. And he's now, for decades now, been teaching and training young pastors to take the gospel into one of the darkest nations in the world. And I remember, you know, going fishing with Ryan Cuthel, you know, out on the bay in his tinny. And he's a much better fisherman than me. And thankfully, he's also a much better pilot than me because six months later, I was in his plane in Africa, you know, flying in to uh, places that are inaccessible by road with, with Bibles and medical supplies to actually be a blessing and to make disciples in, 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 uh, in parts of Africa that uh, you can't get to by road. Just ordinary guys, extraordinary call of God, you know, on his life. One of the great joys in the last 10 years for me has seen the doors of bloom open. You know, Ruth, part of our church, just heard God say, you know, you to go uh, to Cambodia and teach girls rescued from trafficking to make sugar flour and to see Bloom come about, a discipleship centre, you know, for young girls. And he's putting their lives back together. And now the second, you know, they're actually blessing the next generation because they're becoming pastors and mums and, and making sure that the next generation doesn't get trafficked. People, there's ordinary people doing extraordinary things. But sometimes we think this Great Commission is just for other nations, the Great Commission is for this nation. This is a nation. We're going, to, we're going to keep sending people. We're going to send more people than ever before. But if we're not sent to other nations, then we're sent to this nation. And I'm so grateful for the people who've made great sacrifices and served God's purposes in the past. That little hall you saw up on the screen that people made sacrifices for in 1928, it was used by the church till 1994. It blessed that generation and generations to come. And we've all got a role to play now. Every single one of us, ordinary people filled with extraordinary power of God to do extraordinary things for God in the world. In 1928, when that little hall opened, it was celebrated on page 16 of the Sunday Mail. A lot has changed in 93 years. I've not seen the church celebrated on page 16 or any page of the Courier Mail for a very long time. But sometimes we get on page one, two, three, and four and the church is condemned rather than celebrated. We've got a mission field on our doorsteps. There is now an antagonism towards the church and towards the singularity of the gospel. But there is a spiritual hunger out there 
For decades, people have been bowing down to man-made idols and man-made ideologies, and they're now realizing that they come up short. There's a hunger that only Jesus can fill. You know, a lot has changed in 93 years. A lot has changed in 2,000 years since those 11 guys were on the side of a hill. But there's some things that remain the same. Jesus is still calling ordinary people to do extraordinary things for him. You just got to be willing and available. Jesus is still filling his followers with the power of his Holy Spirit. He says, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until you receive power from on high. Then you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's still filling ordinary people with the power of his Holy Spirit to make a difference today. And Jesus still has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. Do you believe that this morning? There is no limits to what he can do. He has power to do the impossible. Even when it looks impossible around us, Jesus still has power to make a way. He has power to see it through. He has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. And lastly, he is coming again. He says, are we with you always to the very end of the age? We're still living in that same age, the age of the church, the age of this new covenant. But he says, there will be a day when that age comes to an end. And I'm not here to tell you what that date is right now. I just know one day, and the Father knows what it is, one day it will come. And for everyone who's turned their back on Jesus, it will be too late. You see, we live in a world today that says it doesn't matter what you believe. You can just all believe your own thing. You just do you. I'll believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. It doesn't really matter. That's not what the Scripture tells us. The Scripture tells us that from one man and one woman, everybody was made. We're all made in the image of God. And when we sinned, there was only one God who came to earth to make a way through sin and death and to come out the other side. There's only one God who came to earth to pay the penalty for your sins, to save you from your sins. There's only one God who came to earth and defeated the power of sin and death once and for all and offers you new life and eternal life. You'll never be separated from his love again. There is only one God who has done that and his name is Jesus Christ and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. That's why we've got to keep sharing the gospel. That's why we've got to keep planting churches. That's why we've got to keep praying for whole families to be redeemed and communities to be transformed. Because one day Jesus is coming again and it'll be too late to do all of those things. You know, throughout history... As the people of God stepped into a new season of ministry and they prepared for a new move of God that was set apart by God. If we, if we have a look back in uh, Joshua chapter 3, when, when the people of God have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and he says, okay, it's now time to step into the promised land and they're standing at this impossible Jordan River in front of them and God says to Joshua to consecrate yourselves before the Lord because tomorrow I will do amazing things. And so they actually literally went and washed their bodies and washed their clothes in the river and God did do amazing things. He stopped the water a mile upstream so a million people could walk across on dry ground. And today, as we enter into a new season, we expect a new move of God. We're not going to go and wash our clothes down in the dam. I'm sure you're all very grateful for that. But I am believing for God to do amazing things in this next season. Joshua chapter 6, as they're at Gilgal, and again, there's this impossible city in front of them and they've been homeless for over 400 years. They haven't had a city that was their own. And God says, it's time to inhabit your inheritance. But they're looking at this impossible city and God says, you know, before you inhabit your inheritance, I want to set you apart as my own. 
says, take a sharp rock and circumcise all the men. And we're definitely not going to do that today. But I am believing that God is going to bring breakthroughs like we've never seen before. God is going to open new doors that we don't know about yet. You know, when Israel was walking through a dark time, God set apart a new leader, set apart a shepherd boy named David to become king. And Samuel the prophet anointed him with oil, it says in 1 Samuel 16. And he poured oil over his head and it ran down his beard and on to the ground. And we're not going to do that today either because that would get messy. But I do believe in this next season, God is raising up new leaders, leaders who will, who will lead like David with, after God's own heart. I believe that God is writing new songs in the heart of our churches, songs that will be sung to give glory and praise to God. As we move into the New Testament in Acts chapter one, you know, God says, don't go anywhere. There's a new move of my spirit coming, but don't Don't go anywhere until you receive power from on high. And then it says in Acts chapter 2, there's a sound like a blowing wind as the Spirit comes and fills them afresh with power for this new season of ministry. And I'm believing today that God is going to fill us with His power for this next season He's calling us into. In Acts chapter 6, as the church was getting too big for the disciples to do all the work, it says, we We've got to keep caring for the poor. We've got to keep feeding the hungry. So set apart some more people filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they chose seven people and they set them apart. They laid hands on them and they were filled with the Spirit. And, and I'm believing as we do that today, that the, the care, the, the, the poor are going to be cared for. The hungry are going to be fed in this city as we look to the future. And then in Acts 13, where, where the gospel, you know, really hadn't intentionally gone far. A few of those seven kind of got scattered, you know, around the regions, but the church hadn't planted any churches. They hadn't taken the gospel to the Gentiles, but they started hearing stories that God was working in a new way, that the the gospel was being received by the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit was coming upon people they didn't think would come upon people in the past. God was doing a new thing. And so in Acts 13, as they fasted and they prayed, they said, set apart Saul and Barnabas to do this new work, to take the gospel to the known world, to plant churches where it's never been planted before. And I'm believing as we pray today, God is setting us apart for a new season of sharing Jesus with someone and opening new doors and planting new churches so more people in more places can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen this morning? We are stepping into a new season, and it's a different season. I really just felt like God just wanted to, it's been happening for thousands of years. God just wanted to anoint people with oil this morning as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to touch people's heads and stuff at the moment. So in this new season, we're going to get set apart a little differently. We've got a prayer team down the front here that have actually got oil in a little squirter bottle. As you come down, it's going to squirt just a little on your hand. And I'm going to ask you, as it's been done for 2,000 years, just to make the sign of the cross on your hand if you're a follower of Christ this morning. Just say, God, my heart is to be set apart for this new season. God, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Come and fill me with love. Fill me with power. I want to be part of seeing the unfolding of your kingdom in this next season. However impossible things look, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting the power of your cross. Trusting the power of your Holy Spirit will make a way. You see, the anointing, the being set apart was a way of the people of God saying, I'm all in, but it's actually not all about me. I'm all in, God, but I need your power. 
I need your strength. Can I get us to stand this morning? I'm going to get our prayer team and our pastoral team and some of our elders, some of the people that have already been prayed for to come down the front. If this morning you say, I want to be part. I want to be part of shining a light on the love of God in our community. I want to be part of serving God's purposes in this generation to bless the generations to come. God, I want to be set apart for a new move of God. I'm going to invite you just to come. These guys are just going to spray some oil on your hand. And they're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Pray that God would fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit for this next season. Let me pray. God, right now, I thank you. Just thank you that you still call ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I thank you that you still fill your followers with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that what looks impossible to us is possible for you. And so God, this morning as we come to you and just saying we're willing and we're available, God, would you anoint us for this next season and would you fill us afresh with your love and your power to bless this generation and the generations to come. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I just want to say, Susan and I are just uh, so privileged to be called by God to, to lead in this season. I probably forgot to say before that uh, Susan has been doing a private journey over the last six months and is doing much better now. I really appreciate the grace that we've been given to do that journey and very excited uh, about the future. And I love seeing the smile that God's put back on my wife's face. We're really uh, full of joy. For all that God's got in store for us. We love you. We love this church. We love what God is doing in all of our campuses. So excited for the future. Be blessed today. Make sure you grab one of those booklets on the way out. Have a chat to some of our Neighbours team. Ellen is out there. Love to talk to you about Neighbours. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.